Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com/switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month, unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month, face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 53124 get 6 months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after 6 months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Grandma, welcome home. You've been gone for far too long. Is this a dream? Are you really back? Let me help you out of the chair. Grandma, let me touch you. Let me feel ah. Cup of tea, blah-dee, blah-dee, blah. Yep, indeed, Agitators Anonymous is welcoming you to the world of King Diamond. This is Call from the Grave. This is your rock, metal, whatever you want to call it, Tuesday special, whatever you want to call it. Free from the baggage and politics and meandering all over the place, cultural thoughts of yours truly, yes, so this is just a look back at the uh, career of King Diamond, my guide to King Diamond, if you will. It's a uh, video over on my YouTube channel as well. You can go over and check that out as I keep putting up videos that no one really asked for, looking at um, old bands, careers, retrospectives, all that kind of thing. So without further ado, let's get through the sponsors, through the uh, through the shuffle the paperwork, so to speak. You can follow me on Instagram, Nemthiang underscore primordial. Although I seem to be kind of stuck at the moment with the same amount of follows and unfollows every single day. I'm sure that's done on purpose. Um, well, who knows? If you're unfollowing me, what are you unfollowing me for? Aren't my adventures exciting enough? You can follow primordial underscore official. Um, if you want to support the show, go over to patreon.com slash Alan Averill and there's all sorts of demos various other things discussions uh, that kind of thing um, this show is sponsored by metalblade.com you can go to the website and you can order all sorts of things you can probably order some King Diamond records I imagine you can order some Merciful Fate you can order actually one of the pretty good uh, live King Diamond albums that I don't really talk about in this forthcoming or, well, in this upcoming little King Diamond extravaganza, um, over at metalblade.com, use the promo code ALAN in America, North America, and you will get 10% off your order. Hate Couture, H A T E C O U T U R E dot com forward slash 616. 
Hate Couture. Sorry, I got that wrong. Hatecouture616 forward slash dot com. Um, yeah, hateful yet tasteful apparel, stuff that will really piss off um, woke people in your life. I mean, we all need that, right? It's the small victories before they march us off to the gulag, which are the most tasty. Um, yeah, go over to the website. The link is in the descriptions and you can use a promo code ALAN and get free shipping. That's about it. So let's get into it. Call from the grave. Is it episode nine? Who knows? Could be. Whatever. King Diamond. Call from the grave episode. Who knows what it is? Eight, nine, I don't know. Well, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. I'm going to talk about King Diamond. Um, I never was as big a King Diamond fan as I was a Merciful Fate fan. Um, But there are some incredible records, some incredible songs. Um, you know, it's an interesting story. And seeing as um, King Diamond is out with Merciful Fate once again, well, I've done a Merciful Fate one of these, so why not do a King Diamond one? It's not going to be a vinyl porn episode, although it, there is reasonable amount of 80s vinyl. Um, original, of course, but which color logo do you have? Some are blue, some are red. Mine is yellow. Well, anyway, um, before launching into some of this stuff i suppose it is worth mentioning that king diamond is now 66 years old um which makes his current vocal performances even more uh absolutely incredible and outrageous um his first band was called brainstorm uh yep shitty name but 1974 1976 um then he left to be uh to sing with local danish band black rose which will come onto one of their releases I'm a rehearsal uh, release. Um, Black Rose, of course, Thin Lizzy. So this is like late 70s. It's kind of more Uriah Heep sort of stuff, lots of organ. And then they move on to The Brats for a short while, sort of proto-metal, uh, punk metal kind of stuff before settling into Merciful Fate. So there was quite a lot of jumping around between, let's say, 77 and 81 before Merciful Fate has formed, but if you want to watch the Merciful Fate, one of these, um, it's there as a video, go and have a look. But um, this is basically, Merciful Fate was sort of torn in a few different musical directions, as I understand it. Hank Sherman went on to form the band Alien, which I think is more like sort of straight, um, just hair, hair rock kind of stuff. Uh, some people swear by it, but I think that's a kind of hipster's choice, isn't it? I'm a, I like the band that Hank Sherman formed after Merciful Fate. It's sort of like Guifra or House of... Well, that Guifra became House of Lords, didn't they? It's sort of like 80s heavy keyboard pompy stuff. Well, whatever. Um, the odd thing is that Denner, Michael Denner, stuck with King Diamond. So did Timmy Hansen for Merciful Fate. But yet it is Denner who is absent from the Merciful Fate reunion and Hank Sherman who is in... When, when he's the guy who, it seems, um, broke Merciful Fate up, so to speak. Well, look, um, bands are strange things. Who knows the politics that are operating there? So Merciful Fate splits up and the band are shopping around for a new label with this, you know, with a three-fifths of the band. And they just shop it in King Diamond's name. And here we go. Fatal Portrait. Um, absolute Stone Cold Classic Record. Um, iconic artwork and this is one of the things about King Diamond and I think uh, along with so many other 80s heavy metal bands 
is that the artwork on the 80s, like it sold X amount more records than you can imagine. You know, think of bands like Voivod, think of um, Creator, all those uh, credible Edward Repka arts, art, arts. Um, they sold X amount more records and King Diamond was masterful in this realm. And it was something that got forgotten. Um, and we'll, but we'll get into that because I think those things are important and they um, are, you know, strong reference points in relation to how much um, a band is um, concerned about, you know, their image, their career, how much they take care of the aesthetic, I think, reflects very importantly on where they are. Take, for example, Celtic Frost Monotheist, uh, one of the best ever return records, um, aesthetically stunning. Um, and, you know, it set a tone for people who are old Celtic Frost fans to go, oh, okay, they mean business, um, which somebody like um, King Diamond, it should be paying, I think, um, incredible attention to these 80s records. This is a, you know, I guess this is a, a face that launched a thousand ships, so to speak. And on the back, you have King Diamond in his, still in his sort of merciful fate vibing makeup. Um, the rest of the band are looking sort of slightly big haired. You've got Mickey D. Um, Timmy Hansen is there. Um, Andy LaRock, who was not in the band to begin with here, um, but came in at the end, I think added solos, but didn't write the songs. The songs are mainly written by Michael Denner. In fact, Michael Denner is the assistant producer on this. He's kind of all over it. It's a very interesting sound. It's very sort of middling, high-pitched, which I think um, is in high end of the dynamic range. There's not much bass end in it. Um, it's a very, very high kind of pocky drum sound. Sounds great, though. Um, so many incredible uh, songs on this. Uh, Halloween, um, etc. What would I give it? I think you'd have to give Fatal Portrait a 9 out of 10 or an 8.5 out of 10. Um, do we have more uh, vinyl porn? A little bit. Um, just take another. You can have double... Uh, I always thought it was Cleopatra when I was a kid, but I guess it's not. It's Melissa being burned as a witch, right? Um, but when I was a kid, I was like, oh, it's Cleopatra on their album cover. Artwork by Studio Zion. Never heard of him. I wonder if that is sort of hypnosis, hypnosis style art collective. Maybe I should have looked that up. Fatal Portrait um, just sort of set the band on their way and sort of, you know, buried the... Um, Buried the merciful fate, worry. Um, this, Abigail, this is the, I suppose, the masterpiece, um, widely considered the, um, you know, the, I mean, it's the, it's the record that he went on to tour um, in its entirety recently. Um, it's more honed. Then Fatal Portrait, it's, um, I mean, the pictures on the back, there's an air of Dokken about them, um, especially Mickey D, I think, oh, there he is, went on to play in Dokken. The cover, uh, which, let's be honest, Dissection sort of took the Somberlane idea from, just, it's just fucking beautiful, it's incredibly well painted, again, such a dynamic um, image, and this is a full marks record. Um, I mean, again, I don't think it's as good as Merciful Fate, if we judge them on those things. Um, it came out in 1987. Let's have a look here. 
um, yeah, May 1987 via Roadrunner Records. Um, and again, features Michael Denner and Timmy Hansen, who would leave or after this record. Um, but Funeral, Arrival, A Mansion in Darkness, it's just brilliant. And it's much more, it's got a much more honed sound than Abigail. Abigail, um, or sorry, uh, Fatal Portrait, the tones are maybe, there's a little bit too much sort of distance in them. The, the band doesn't sound as powerful and dynamic, but here it's perfect. And it's again something I'll return to. So if you're going to be somebody who doesn't want to hear old man shouts at clouds about modern production values, then switch the dial right now. But Abigail is the masterpiece. Um, although I'm not so sure about Michael Denner's leather jacket on the inside. Leaves something to be desired. Um, Timmy Hansen with the uh, eye patch. I mean, that's a stroke of genius, really, isn't it? Um, but this is, um, yeah, absolute Stone Cold classic record. King kind of still, you know, this is, he's changed the makeup a little bit, but it's still, he's still sort of vibing on the whole Merciful Fate thing. Um, the makeup was to change a couple of times, of course. So maybe I'm being slightly unfair here. Um, but the, the image isn't fully, the, you know, um, separated from Merciful Fate. But Denner, this is, I mean, the residuals that Denner should be, I suppose, getting from live performances of these records is, um, of course, yeah, great. Um, thank you, Caroline, for interrupting my train of thought. It's what you get for living in the big city. Life in the big city. Anyway, yeah, Abigail. Total Stone Cold Classic. Again, um, brilliant artwork, brilliant aesthetic. Um, they're playing, you know, this is the Andy LaRock that made Chuck Schuldern I want to get him in the band. It's, um, it's the first time, I think, really, that the full concept comes through. And these were, um, you heard whispers of the, you know, the kind of dark and evil concept albums. And uh, there's, uh, you know, articles in some of the records here, which I'll show you. But, you know, there was a, one famous one from like, the, just before King Diamond started, I think it was in Kerrang, where one of the journalists went after um, Merciful Fate for his, or King Diamond for his, you know, does he really understand Satanism kind of thing. And there was a real air of mystery around King Diamond at the time. The photos, again, were so important, the, the kind of the Im aesthetic image of the one in the rocking chair. And um, there really was an awful lot um, of stuff to get your teeth into as a teenager. Now, I, I suppose many of you are watching Stranger Things and all that kind of stuff and the sort of spooky horror, sub-occult, Dungeons and Dragons kind of element to it. And there's a lot of kind of heavy metal seeging into um, quite a lot of shows these days, but especially in Stranger Things. And it's only just a step away from, I was talking in the podcast about um, when I was 11 or 12, you know, trying to play Dungeons and Dragons, but listening to Man of War. Well, certainly King Diamond would have been one of the records that was going on the turntable after. And his... his um, you know, his impact visually, I think, is something that in the 90s and the 2000s, until you get to the whole Guitar Hero era, was maybe a bit forgotten. Um, so May 1987, I think you're looking at um, a record that is, you know, is full marks. Um, at this time, what else came out? The Dark Sides, um, which has a... Some, Bits of uh, 
stuff I've cut out for magazines, Hammersmith Odeon, um, The Long Bad Friday. Doesn't Friday 27th of November. Yeah. Um, so what does what does the dark sides have on it? Well, it has Shrine, The Lake, Phone Call. I think Shrine is the only song there that's um, not on any record. Them, 156. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's... They were trying to cash in, I suppose, a little bit on the uh, King Diamond aesthetic. It's quite a nice collector's item, but you'll see the makeup has changed. The um, aesthetic has changed. This one is a bit more grim. I never quite understood why the moustache got left, but was it makeup? I must admit, I often have the same problem when I apply my own um, makeup, but, you know, I'm not shaving off the beard anymore, but the 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 king has persisted with the, the moustache and the sort of rockabilly hair since um, the year zero, since God was a boy. Uh, I was kind of wondered about kind of leaving the, not putting any makeup, let's say, and the neck and the hair and the, you know, kind of messing it up a little bit. I'm talking about makeup too much now, aren't I? Anyway, the family ghost. Again, not so sure about the photos. Family ghost and shrine. Um, shrine, which is also on, well, I just said it was on nothing else, but it's on the dark side, obviously. Um, the lake. Ah, okay, the lake is the song that's... Um, Anyway, I'm getting... I'm not so sure about the scrunched up duck face. King is doing duck face here before duck face was a thing. Um, it's just a nice collector's 12-inch. No big secret to that. Shrine is a previously unreleased track. I mean, it's from Abigail. What do you want? Now, I have to admit, this fucking thing. I should have come to this before, because this is from... This is 1985, so this is before Abigail. Um, there's one here. There's a pig. There's, a, I think, an image of one of the version of this where he's you know, with a reindeer or something. And this really pissed me off when I was a kid. Even at, when I picked it up the first time um, at 12 or 13. And now you're talking about a precocious kid who thought the, you know, grandfather, who were those four men um, on Man of War Kings of Metal was fucking childish when I was 13. Um, I hated this shit, this kind of novelty stuff. As it turns out, No Presents for Christmas has a kind of cool riff to it. But novelty records... Um, it's a weird thing because Merciful Fate was that bit more serious and the King Diamond kind of didn't seem afraid to step into um, elements of novelty uh, which and he never really seemed to quite get punished for it maybe that's because when black metal came along in the early 90s the main reappraisal of um, early 80s black metal um, didn't quite include King Diamond. King Diamond was sort of seen, I suppose, as a bit more hair rock, a bit more showy, hard rock kind of stuff than black metal. So there was a kind of disassociation there, and people didn't judge evil, you know, or Melissa, <laughs> evil. Melissa or no, Don't Break the Oath the same way. Because um, for me, this certainly was a mark against King Diamond. You can go, oh, it's just, you know, um, call me the black metal Grinch if you want, but um, I still have the bloody thing, but... Um, no. No, sir. Um, and now here's a controversial opinion. Here's a controversial opinion. Um, but, excuse me here while I fiddle about with the um, discography here and bring up. This is my least favorite, them, of all of the first 
um, few King Diamond records. Uh, brilliant artwork, again, incredible aesthetic. I mean, look at that, it's so fucking cool. Uh, and the band pictures, King is um, in an insane asylum with his insane grandmother, um, but you know, grandma, um, cup of tea, blah, 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 whatever, you know, that first line. But you see, by 88, I guess I was growing up a, quite a bit, well, well, and 88 to me is Bathory, Bloodfire, Death, Pestilence, Leprosy, and don't get me wrong, I still love King Diamond, but Bye Bye Missy, there's something about this mother's getting weaker, there was something about the concept on this that's just sort of left me a bit on the shore, maybe it just got a bit too... Um, poltergeisty, the movie, a bit too, I'm not going to say silly, because it's a very involved, um, kind of cool, um, it's a kind of cool idea, and the idea that he puts so much um, thought into the story, I mean, it's great, but, you know, the opening, well, the grandma, grandma, welcome home, you've been gone for far too long, let me help you out of your chair, grandma, it's like, there's too many grandmas in this song for me and the one uh, where's the where's the song with the blood was running into the teapot then i heard them laugh a bit of this is in a cup of tea is it what it I'm like pfft. do the story but stop going on about grandma and cups of tea um would have been my advice at the time but look it's a great record it really is a great record um i don't think it's as good as abigail i find the sound a bit moves back into Fatal Portrait, um, you know, the sort of area that that occupies sonically. There's very little bass end on this record. Now, this is Hal Patino on the bass, new bass player. So Timmy Anson of Merciful Fate fame is gone. Pete Black, who's here with a harp. Um, he has replaced Michael Denner. So Michael Denner is gone. And I think, you know, that's um, that says a lot. The songwriting kind of changes. This has got... Andy LaRock kind of all over it. This is more LaRock style. Um, the it's you know becoming a bit more proggy hard rock. Well, not proggy is not right the word, but it's missing that Michael Denner kind of diabolical swagger in the riffs. You'll know what I know. You'll you'll know what I know. You'll know what I'm talking about. Um, 1988. What would I give it? Like I said, I keep saying this, I'm going to bring up a little number at the bottom. Look, it's 8.5, it's 8, it's 8 out of 10, 8.5 out of 10. Um, any less than that would be ridiculous. I just don't happen to like it as much as, um, as what happens to be the next album, uh, wherever that is gone. There we are. Yes. Conspiracy. You interrupt your own flow by failing to collect... Um, the record from the racks, blah, 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 blah. Conspiracy. Um, I mean, look, it's, this is my second favorite album after Abigail. Um, I prefer it to them. I think this is a huge, huge sounding record. It's the best King Diamond ever sounded. The tone is massive. Chris Sangarides, um, who is sadly dead now, but made some incredible records, Painkiller amongst others, seems to have done a star turn on this. Um, it's Sleepless Nights at the Graves, cremation um it's just bangers it's a it's a brilliant record it's the best sounding it's a big bass end killer drum sound mickey d is all over this record and i would contend the last classic king diamond record and the aesthetic kind of sucks but sucks in a kind of cool way i mean um compared to the albums previously it's like they just went oh just stick a stick a picture of me on the front 
Um, there is some cool stuff on the inside. Um, the kind of comic book stuff, which is the same as the t-shirt here. Um, I think there was a comic book made of this, which came with Kerrang! or something. Um, I've cut out here a studio report of the time. You can see Chris Sangrida's here, whatever. Um, the king is modeling what appears to be a sort of Kurt Cobain, Weezer style, um, woolly sort of, I don't know, woolly waistcoat. He's got his satanic bling still rocking, but um, you know, hmm, little bit odd. Uh, speaking of which, if you go back, you can find pictures of the Weezer guys with spikes and studs and Voivod shirts back from the early 80s. Used to be that site Metal Sludge had them. And where is that now? Anyway, Conspiracy continues on the story from them. Um, it's a Stone Cold classic record. Stone Cold classic record, um, my second favorite. Now, then we get to, um, well, this is a bit odd. This is a white vinyl promo 12 inch of them, which has um, behind these walls an eye of the witch on it, which I guess that was a rumor that back in the day in the 70s, you know, when um, the promo vinyl was ready um, uh, somewhere in some pressing, um, you know, plant, or when it came into the record, um, the record company, they would send it over uh, by courier to the journalists with a gram of coke in it going, ah, please let me have a good review and um, whatever the new, I don't know, Elvis Costello record or something. Um, where the fuck is the normal version of the eye? Yes, the eye. This is the last great King Diamond record. In my opinion, it's a, it's a solid eight, eight and a half. Uh, the story is cool. It's an interesting record. It's a bit slower, a bit darker. And um, there are big, deep purple Uriah Heap vibes on this. Lots of Hammond organ kind of stuff. The story is pretty cool. It's about an amulet through which when you wear, you can see the horrors that were visited upon the people who wore it in the past, one of them being a witch. Um, it's a cool record. No other way about it. A couple of people have told me this is their favorite record. I don't know about that, but it certainly sits in the canon of the first four. I would put it fifth, but certainly just behind um, them and Fatal Portrait. Um, cover, aesthetic, pretty cool, pretty, pretty cool, but kind of not really that cool in a sense that it's quite striking, but it's certainly this little dude here could be done in a slightly different, a slightly more evil fashion, if you ask me. Uh, Robert Falcao, who did Conspiracy, does this one. Um, good job, Mr. Falcao, whoever you are, because you did some sterling work on this. And it was made in Sweet Silence Studio, where Metallica did, of course, um, some of their stuff. Copenhagen, June, August 1990. Um, it's a great record. And here's where things begin to change for um, King Diamond, if you ask me. Uh, and that is that... And that is, it's clear he moves to the USA at this time, finds some musicians in America, um, takes a couple of years off at a time when heavy metal was just about to go down the kind of tubes for 91, 92, replaced by thrash, by death metal, um, traditional heavy metal, hard rock. And let's, be, let's say King Diamond was more hard rock in places than heavy metal sometimes. Um, or at least it, it, it 
you know, it straddled the line between the two. That's a good. Anyway, um, we get some time off, and then we get this. And there, it, you know, that's where my king, uh, kingdom of vinyls end. Looks like shit. Spider's lullaby. Aesthetic is crap. Band photos, like compared to them, you know, with all due respect to uh, the guys who play on it, Herb Simonson, Chris Estes, and Darren Anthony, they aren't Michael Denner, Mickey D. They aren't of that standard and caliber. And you know, it appears like that. He just seems to have taken a photo from the conspiracy um, photo shoot. It all smacks of thrown together. And by all accounts, it was recorded in the USA. Andy Larock went over there. They were out of their comfort zone in Denmark. And this is a decent record. It's, the la it's, a, it's not bad. It's a, it's a 7 out of 10. It, has, it doesn't have a concept album or a concept to it. Um, yeah, poor picture on the back. Um, and for, a, for someone who took so much took care and attention aesthetically in the 80s, it was really, you're going to witness now a slew of records that this doesn't seem to be much attention to detail in those regards. As far as I look by, um, solid record, a worthy addition. Um, I have some of the others on CD, can't find them, so you'll have to put up with when I bring up a little square as we go through the rest of them. Um, but it's the last album, I think, that's any good. The Graveyard. The Graveyard is 1996, so he throws out another album a year after. Um, let me look at my... I've been making some notes. Um, Graveyard. This is a lo-fi production. This is... Sounds like somebody built a studio at home and decided they could record it at, record it at home. Like I said, Steve Harris uh, syndrome. Sorry, Steve. Um, this is a... This is a poor record. It sounds like a home recording. There's almost no bass at all in the album. The album cover is kind of crap. Um, trick or Treat, Lucy Forever. Same lineup as the previous record. Um, Andy LaRocque. All the songs are King Diamond, with the exception of five are co-writes with Andy LaRocque. Um, I don't know. It's uh, Massacre Records. Pick them up. So that will show you the, the kind of, as they were falling from branch to branch, I suppose, asking for what that usually means when you see a band who have lots of different record labels in a row, with the exception of the first few Primordial, is that for big bands, they were asking for too much money at their advance. The record sells poorly, and the advances are usually incrementally, they go up. So let's say X band asks for €100,000 in 1990-something for X record. Um, it sells 28,000 copies, and the label goes, whoa, we've, we've got a big loss on this, and the next album's going to cost us 120. So they, they just go, you know what? Um, you're free to leave. You can go. You can, they let them out of the contract. So when you see sometimes big bands, you'll see this with Megadeth, you'll see this with sometimes with Slayer, or sometimes with some bands like Manowar, they pop around from big label to big label, and somebody picks them up in the hope that they're going to hit that 250,000 record sales then realize the next advance is huge and just kind of go, mm, we cut our losses here. The Graveyard is, I've given it 5 out of 10 here, which would make it the poorest King Diamond record, in my opinion. Yeah. And you're going to find Voodoo, 1998. Um, a new drummer, and the same with guitarist and bassist, Herb Simons and Chris Estes. So those guys stayed for three records. 
1998, um, kind of cool southern gothic vibe to the story, which could be really interesting. Um, and again, this sort of strange distant sound, crappy drum sound, um, triggered early trigger sounding bass drum. It's quite aggressive tone. It's almost like a black metal guitar sound, um, which I don't really understand. But it sounds to me again like people are recording parts in different studios, sending them in, people are adding things. It doesn't sound like a band rehearsing to me. Um, again, all most songs written by King Diamond, Annie LaRock has a few um, has a few actual music credits. Sorry, not music credits, he has like four or five. Chris Estes got two in. Well done, Chris. Um, Dimebag Daryl does a guitar solo on it, according to what I'm looking at here. Yeah, it's, again, I get it. Completest one to all the album. Voodoo, I'm not gonna give much to either. It sits along with the graveyard as a five, six out of 10. That might sound harsh, but you've got to compare it to the standard from which it came. Um, House of God then is the ninth album. This is 2000. What have I got written about this record? Um, again, it's got a weird processed ploddy drum sound. I mean, I, I hate laboring the point about this, but when you've had a band who have such incredible tones, dynamics, and aesthetics, um, you can't be expected to not comment on it just because everything is then about iPod headphones or in-ear, you know, like, it seems churlish to keep complaining about the sonics and sound when it's clear most people listen to things through, you know, little headphones or speakers. And so the, the magic the, of the 80s and the 70s, when bands put had huge drum sound and put care and attention to so much tones, this became a lost art. Blah, 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 blah. Became a lost art. And a band like, a band, an album like House of God, perfectly exemplifies that. It features Glenn Drover, who went on to be in Megadeth, a bassist at Paul David Harbour, I've not heard of, and the last to feature another drummer. So just a revolving lineup of musicians at this time. Um, and House of God has a sort of, Ren, uh, well, it says Ren le Chateau, so a sort of Southern French religious, um, you know, angels and devils, appearing in the, you know, at the pulpit sort of vibe. It's, it's again, another 5 out of 10 record, I would say. It's got this, again, ploddy, ploddy sound, kind of heavy processed drum sound, which has no, um, no production dynamics. Not bad, song Black Devil is pretty cool. Um, song House of God is pretty cool. It's not, you know, it's, 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 it's really, it's not bad. But it's not great either. Um, made in Nomad Recording Studio, Carrollton, Carrollton, Texas. Nomad Recording Studio. That reminds me that maybe Absu went in there once or twice. Hmm. Anyway. Um, what else have we got? We've got... Well, actually, something cool came out here which has got very little love, and that is um, 2001, A Night of Rehearsal, which is Black Rose which um, is uh, a whole load of songs that just never went anywhere from King Diamond's band between Bratz and Merciful Fate, Black Rose, which I guess is like 79, 78, 80. Um, it came out of Metal Blade. Um, great. Really an interesting discovery while doing this. I'd never really listened to it properly. It's great Uriah heaping, um, deep, deep purple, you know, keyboard heavy, uh, some different kind of singing, some kind of cool riffs, 
should have pilfered some of those songs for King Diamond Records, sir. Anyway, definitely worth checking down that one. But that's a little aside that feels like something given um, as a kind of a stopgap, you know. So, because they're moved back to Metal Blade. And so we get the 2002, Abigail to The Revenge. Don't, I mean, I remember with Primordial around this time, we were offered a tour with King Diamond um, in Europe, I think 10 or 12 days. I think Einherger did it instead of us. For some reason, they wanted like an up-and-coming pagan metal band. It's a shame that we couldn't do it. But, um, you know, back then, King Diamond wasn't yet this huge household name, headlining festivals. Um, by and large, that tour was two, 250 people. Um, it wasn't huge. Um, you know, the, the fees weren't huge. The band were at the sort of middle period in their career. This one has artwork done by Travis Smith. It looks like somebody um, internally has gone, come on, we need to step up the game with the artwork and the aesthetic. It looks pretty cool. It's got a pretty cool aesthetic to it. Um, but, you know, again suffers from the same thing. We have Mike Weed returning on guitar, which is interesting because he played on the Merciful Fate albums after um, Michael Denner left in the 1990s and now is a mainstay of Merciful Fate um, in the new returning Merciful Fate, which is kind of strange. He came from Hexen House, I think. Um, he also wrote, I think, the song Black Candles on Nightfall by Candlemas, the acoustic intro, if I'm not incorrect. That's proper nerd stuff. If not, it's just some nonsense that just went bleh, out of my brain. Um, Abigail 2, again, it's a poor sounding, kind of dull record. Sounds like a drum machine. Uh, it has a smack of um, trying to revisit a classic to try to revive a career, even though something else was around the corner to revive that career, which was incoming very, very soon. It's not great. It's not great, in my opinion. Um, I would five again maybe it's just you know it's not great so 11 studio albums the puppet master the band move again back to massacre so you kind of see what's happening here they jumping around from label to label um this is the 11 studio album um and what have i said about this one the song Magic is pretty fucking cool. One thing you'll notice about a lot of these records is how similar that some of the riffs are sounding to Megadeth. It seems like Andy LaRock would have made a great guitarist in Megadeth. Um, but there's, a, there's some similarities in where Megadeth were at this time. To me, this is the best um, album post The Spider's Lullaby. Of all the albums, the sort of five or six that are there in a kind of canon of relative forgetfulness, this one is maybe the best one. Um... The story takes place in a puppet show in Budapest in the 1700s. And these, this couple end up being turned into undead puppets by the puppet master and his wife. Okay. Why not? Um, you've got Hal Patino back on bass. Matt Thompson drums. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the best one of the last few, in my opinion. Even though that's like 2003, so it's 20 years old. Um, there are lots of live records and compilations and things like this to get your teeth into if you really want to. Um, I'm not going to review them. They are what they are. But this is maybe the best one, you know. Give me your soul, please. Massacre Records again. Um, 12 Studio Album. Uh, this is the last new music that 
King Diamond has made. It's 15 years ago. Um, again, it's it's quite hard sort of metal. It's got that sort of, again, Megadeth sort of techno-y, thrashy kind of stuff going on. Um, it's okay. It's, you again, you wonder how come the band didn't kind of lean into some of that the eye organy kind of sounding stuff. It's relatively poor-ish production. Standard for the time, I guess, to not sound like as great as things did in 86 and 87. Look, what can you do? I think people want to spend less money on things. They're trying to save money on their advances. I get it. But the idea of getting a big drum sound, um, an open drum sound, which doesn't have the same triggered um, snare and bass drum thing, I just, I can't stop giving out about the same thing. The cover is kind of shit, kind of um, looks like a cheap, shitty um, horror movie. Um, anyway, Never Ending Hill, yeah, it's okay. Um, five, five out of ten, whatever. There's, you know, there's the Dangerous Meeting compilation, Nightmare in the 90s. Mm, do you really need that? The best of King Diamond, loads of things. Um, and there was one single in 2019. Um, what is this fucking single called? Let's have a look. Because I just listened to it before this. That'll show you. Masquerade of Madness. Yeah, showed an improvement. Pretty good sonically. Again, not 1989, but... Or 1990. Pretty good sonically. You've got Songs for the Dead live at the Fillmore in Philadelphia. Pretty good again. And I saw... King Diamond on this uh, on this in New York and yeah it was great it's, the show was cool and it was awesome to see him come back you know come this career return because don't forget I think it's 2009 you've got the Guitar Hero thing uh, the Metallica uh, you know kind of patronage and King Diamond becomes a household name somewhere in the end of the 2000s the noughties 2008 9 10 an iconic image that people who don't even know metal, recognize the corpse paint. He became an icon. Um, and this is what enabled him to return to the stage and, you know, play headline festivals. Um, and it's odd considering that realistically he's just playing songs from 85 to 90. No one is really that interested in hearing songs from voodoo or whatever. So he spent a long time languishing in a sort of a kind of purgatorial area of his career. I mean, doing okay, no doubt. You've got money coming in from... Metallica and all this kind of stuff, but his his role as a sort of cultural icon, not just a heavy metal icon, wasn't yet solidified. And then Guitar Hero came along, the Merciful Fate medley, which was on um, the Garage Revisited album, which is brilliant, by the way. Hetfield does an amazing job on it, and he popped up singing that in a few places. And you know, all of it now has placed him at in his mid sixties at this incredibly healthy place in his career. And you have a feeling if there's a new King Diamond album. It would hopefully sound great and have, you know, proper aesthetics. And the stage shows the new Kingdom and Merciful Fate look fucking cool. His voice sounds great. Fate sound fucking super um, electric on the new footage. I'm going to see them hopefully soon now in a week or two. Um, and it all points, hopefully, to some, finally, some new music. Because don't forget, King Diamond himself hasn't given, other than this one song, um, a new song. Um, you know, there's been no Merciful Fate, new Merciful Fate stuff since Nine, great album. There's been no new King Diamond in, um, you know, one song in a single in 2019. So what does that mean? That realistically means um, Dreams of Horror. Okay, so this is like a sort of best of kind of thing. I'm just flicking through Spotify here. 
this realistically means in the last 22 years, King Diamond has made three, well, look, say four records, four new albums since 2000. So, but he hasn't, he's only made one record in, one record of original songs since 2003, 2004, yeah. It's a long time. It's about time we have some new uh, fucking cool music. And yeah, the um, 20 years ago, a night of rehearsal, King Diamond and Black Rose, 20 years ago. If it came thousand, out in 2001, that should be 1981, but it sounds like 78. Anyway, great. Locked up in the snow, whatever that means. Holy Mountain Lights, Crazy Tonight. Great stuff. There you go. One of the biggest heavy metal icons there is, King Diamond. Um, five absolutely, four absolutely seminal classic records, a fifth brilliant one, one pretty good one after that, and then since 1995, in my opinion, not much to write home about and not much that you're really missing if you don't have. I get it, it's got elements which are cool, but let's hope that we get to a new cool fucking record and please don't record it in your home studio, would be my advice. My friends, call from the grave. Sorry, I dragged the ass out of this one. King Diamond, there you go. Grandma, a cup of tea, etc. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 